Welcome to our Ted Lasso Talk, the Tedcast. Welcome, all Greyhound fans. Welcome, all you sinners from the dog track and all the AFC Richmond fans around the world. It's the Lasso way around these parts with Coach Coach and Boss. Without further ado, Coach Castleton. Okay, welcome back. Uh, We are picking up uh, Season 2, Episode 3, Do the Right Thing. This is Part 2. Um, we are jumping in, uh, we just did the scene where, uh, on the last episode, we finished, uh, with Keely explaining banter to Nora, um, and, um, you know, some, some of the team a little bit worried that the Nora character is just, uh, there, uh, because the writers weren't sure how to get all this exposition out. And so why not throw in a precocious teen or the wacky grandma? or whatever uh, play against type character you have uh, that, that can sort of keep things fresh while also allowing you to have exposition. But maybe that's not it. Maybe it's, it's just, just so um, blatantly disrespectful. I yeah. Just, I don't even have the words. Like, oh but my I, God. I actually don't think that's fair at all. It's absolutely a skateboarding grandma, not just a wacky one. We're up oh my here. God. <laughs> what is happening here? Oh my All right, before before we start, I want to say that uh, Boss is coming off a, a wee touch of the COVID. Um, oh, it's true. Mm-hmm. If uh, I have any COVID brain, if I forget, uh, you know, Justin and Brandon's names while I'm talking about the show creators, please ignore that. It's entirely this trash disease. Yeah, I'm hoping you feel better, Boss. Uh, we know Coach uh, has also had the COVID. Um, I am what's known as a super dodger. Um, and we mm-hmm. can have a whole three-hour episode about all the things I've dodged over the years. <laughs> <laughs> um, but we are going to move on to the coach's Diamond Dog, uh, Diamond Dog's meeting. Um, uh, Nate uh, is saying that he downloaded Banter last night, but he immediately deleted it. Um, he's saying that he's very picky when it comes to women, and Beard and Ted exchanged this really interesting look. Um, and then... Uh, you know, Nate, it's funny. I kind of liked this version of Nate where he's like, you know, women are pretty picky too. You're like, oh, this is nice. This nice sort of vulnerability. Um, Ted says he's not looking for anything romantic right now either. Uh, He's trying to like sort of bail Nate out of a emotionally vulnerable moment. um, Despite uh, Beard's knowing look. Um, And he says it would be neato uh, if he met someone on there and it changed the course of his life. So uh, Ted asked Beard if he's on there. Beard says no, because he and Jane took a big step forward in their relationship this weekend. And now they're sharing an iCloud account, which they call digital intimacy. Um, and and Higgins uh, says, um, yeah. So basically, if she saw you download a dating app and and uh, he says, yeah, um, she would take a she would destroy my phone with a blowtorch and pliers. What do you think about that, coach? I really liked the digital i don't know if that's a real thing i've been married since 1785 so you know i the, the advancements <laughs> in romance the advancements in romance are a bit beyond my uh my wheelhouse but i that made me laugh out loud that you know there's this thing now and and that you would and the way he said digital intimacy is the way for me the way i would say something 
my wife has decided we're doing that I think is absolutely fucking ridiculous, but not so ridiculous that I'm willing to have the requisite fight to not do it. So that that guy, it just really made me laugh hard that he was like, and we're sharing an iCloud account. Okay, great. Sounds good. I'll I'll just throw in there that if uh, sharing an iCloud account is some form of digital intimacy, then I have that with my entire family because my older sister's husband, who I like very much, is kind enough to just send me a text every once in a while that says, this is what you owe on your phone bill. And this is where you log into things. And I'm like, thank you, Larry. I, for whatever reason, have a block where I can't figure out phones or phone plans or anything else. So he just handles it for me. And I, I don't know if that means uh, we're closer than we used to be, but I feel fine with it. As evidenced by coaches' height and mental state, there's been a fair amount of intra-family intimacy there as well, but not of the digital sort, apparently. Just uh, wanted to put that on record. Wait, what the hell are you talking about? <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> I said, based on your height and mental state, I'd say there's probably been a bit of intra-family intimacy on your side of the table as well. What is there a little there- Oh, 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 he's, he's, he's dragging you. I'm the result. My (laughs) vertical challenge (laughs) is the result of, of, I want to make sure I, let's spell this joke out, joke out for all the people in the cheap seats. (laughs) I am short because of Digital incest in my family's oh, bloodline. Is that, is that is that about some? No, not of the digital. No, I said not of the digital variety. <coughs> oh, man. I see. Okay, just it's... plain incest. Just I'm a I'm the result of a, of a <laughs> Lannister esque <laughs> bonding. That is a. Uh, it's so rare for me that after somebody explains the joke, it tickles me more. But that one really <laughs> got me. Well played. Oh, all right. I think it's a total crap way to start a podcast. But yeah, oh, yes. Also, wait. Sorry, this yeah. is where I come to my very good friend uh, Castleton's defense. Oh, that doesn't. No, come on, bad joke. Ooh, that's that's awesome. You actually know my mother, so I'm gonna make sure to tell her about your great jokes. Oh, oh no! no. Oh, yeah, no. you're flying. Let's see. Coach is flying oh, in to stay with me. Is it next week, Coach? Yeah. Is it next week? Is maybe my, oh, maybe no. my mom can pick my what mom can pick you up I, from Logan. What have I done? I, yeah. I you can explain it to her. I kicked a hornet's nest. Wasn't bothering me, <laughs> but boy, did I Fucked get around and found out exactly, yeah. exactly. Now he's right. telling his mom on you. Shit. I mean, yeah. like this. Way, this got serious really quickly. Yeah, that's it. Telling my mom. Um, okay, let's just, let's keep going. Uh, uh, Ted, uh, so uh, Higgins gets called away, leaves by howling uh, like a dog because obviously that's how meetings are adjourned. If you're a diamond dog, he explains that to his wife on the phone. And Ted calls in Jamie, who see, he sees walking by. Did you guys notice that Jamie had his icon hat back on, which I feel like I haven't seen? But do we have a reference point about when the last time we saw the icon hat was? I'd have to look for it, but I like that call out. I I, I don't. I doubt it's by mistake. I feel like when he wears the icon hat, he's his worst Jamie. 
he's the worst version of Jamie. Um, and so when Ted calls him in, how's he feeling? He says he's fucking great, which is nice. But he had a dope idea last night during his eyebrow threading, um, which is, I think, where most of us do our best uh, thinking. Um, <laughs> that he's going he's gonna, I know, Coach, I, mean, I don't want to speak for you, but I'm sure that's where, where you get all, all your great thoughts. Uh, 100%. Um, yeah, I knew it. I knew it. Um, he's going to buy the whole team PS5s. And Ted, uh, you know, another look from Beard. And he, I'm like, okay, Beard has the looks because Beard is in, in when there is no, um, uh, uh, you know, the, the, the natural Greek chorus of, of the supporters of, of rich AFC Richmond, um, we, uh, we sometimes default to Beard's looks telling us how to feel. So Beard's looks are always spot on. And he says like, oh God, that's a terrible idea. Uh, Ted points out some folks might consider that buying affection and like, just like sort of Drax the Destroyer goes right over Jamie's head. And he's like, yeah, exactly. Like what better thing to spend money on than love? Like, um, so this apparently is enough of a red flag for coach Lasso that he now has to bring out the, the choice of, of, of last resort. Um, and he thinks it's time to intervene. So, he says, you know, you, you know, you guys know what, what we got to do. And Nate wisely, uh, I won't say that about Nate very often this season, but Nate wisely suggests, uh, <laughs> on staff professional, uh, uh, cl- clinician and, uh, says, let's get Dr. Sharon. She says, Ted says, no, wait, no, 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 no. Like, obviously that's a terrible answer. It's time for these young fellows to meet that guy. Um, this is on the rewatch where um, Boss and I wilt on the inside um, and Correct. groan like Krusty the Clown. We just go and and we say, <laughs> shit, now we got to yes. get to lead Tasso. Before we move too far, before we get to uh, lead Tasso, um, two things that I thought rewatching this. Number one, I like that Beard seems to have insight into everything that's going on in the room other than his relationship with Jane. And I will have a lot of thoughts about his relationship with Jane coming up later. Uh, There's a small part of me that thinks like, would she actually destroy his phone with pliers and a blowtorch if he found, she found out that he was on a dating app? Also, would it be acceptable for him to be on a dating app at this point? Is it okay if she got upset considering where their relationship is at? Like, I feel like there's not enough input from Jane about Jane's relationship here. But I'll talk about that more as she comes up more. Um, the other thing is that, like, I kind of agree with Jamie. Yeah, buying a PS5s would probably be pretty sweet. I I don't think that only buying somebody's affection is a good thing. But I also think spending your time and money and resources on people in order to get them something that they like isn't the worst thing the dude's ever done. Like, it reminded me a little bit in um, uh, A Wrinkle in Time by Madeline Lingle. There's a line where Mrs. Murray says that she's only got one tomato left. And Meg asks, is it okay if I have it on my sandwich? And her mom says, to what better use could it be put? Like, if you only have so many things and you give them to people you care about, I don't think that that's bad. I'm with Jamie on this one. Well, I'm I'm with you and Jamie on it in that... <clears throat> It, it's perfect Jamie logic, and it's so specific to that character. One of the things I love about this show, 
But it's it's right back to, you know, would you rather be uh, a lion or a panda, right? I mean, it's like there's yes. just these yeah. moments where Jamie says something and it's not quite right. Like, I don't know that you know just how psychologically healthy that is. Like, it's just yes. like these moments where you go, well, it's not wrong. It's not how we, <laughs> it's not how the rest of us might say it, but he's not wrong. But and uh, not so wrong. I, I, I really enjoy that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, my uh, boyfriend always says, people say you're technically right, like that's a bad thing. It's the only way of being right. And I'm like, yeah, no, that's that's true. If you're technically right, you are right. Like, I love that. Yeah, me too. I, 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 when I hear this um, boss, I think, okay, Coach is getting the show he was hoping for this season. I was hoping for a show more about the business of soccer and the, you know, like sort of the following the, the soccer through or football in this case, uh, through the season and, and, and the, the, the various ups and downs of that. And, and you were hoping for more Jane and Beard. If oh, I'm not sure. Absolutely. More Jane, more Beard, surprisingly more Jamie. Um, I have definitely told you before, but my entire jam is watching fucked up people become slightly less fucked up and the process of that those are always my favorite tv shows you're the worst and community and shameless and like that whole the bear now um so yeah watching beard and jane figure out their relationship and watching jamie slowly figure out how to be a better teammate like my entire jam give it to me all season that 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 really that resonates for me and i i do like yeah, I like that we, we're really watching them learn. Um, like, it's not just, you know, light bulb moment. Now Jamie's a good teammate. Um, I'm, yes. I, I'm, I'm liking that a lot. One thing I did want to point out in this scene is Nate, as you said, very, you know, on point, get Dr. Sharon. And I think we're, we're, we're really setting up these two tracks of how to work with people. And as we talk about the lasso way and where it works and where it doesn't work, I think it's significant that we try the lasso way here. And there's a there's a moment of choice uh, between them. I don't want to get too far ahead of us, but I think we're going to see where each way falls short. And I think ultimately that neither way is absolutely right. But I think there's a this is one of the key moments where the, the choice is highlighted. Agreed. Nothing to add to that. that. It's sort of exactly where I was at on it. So I love that we both picked that up. I usually stay really focused and I, my brain just totally drifted. So I'm, I didn't really hear what you just said, coach, and I'm just going to blanket disagree with it. <laughs> That's just a- as a prince, as a principal, I usually stay really focused, but I was thinking about, I, I, I was just thinking about the next scene uh, where Nora is, uh, you know, they're in Rebecca's office and Nora's 13. And I'm like, God, like, I remember being really smart at 13 uh, and then obviously going downhill from there. Um, but I just remember being like 13. I felt very prepared. And I, and I thought, okay, like, I guess it's like really, it's believable that Nora could say, what's the hook? And she would be sitting in, in Rebecca's chair and saying financially, the club's a bit fucked because they're playing, uh, you know, championship uh, rates for, uh, sorry, premiership rates for championship players. And uh, I don't know. I don't know. I was just thinking, okay, it is possible to have uh, bright 13-year-olds, precocious 13 That's fine. That's all good. So why does it rub me the wrong way with 
in this case. Um, I just was like, I just was bristling against it in this scene, even though I'm like, is it just because they're using the profanity as a shock value or I don't know. What is it? What do you think boss? What struck me about it is that they were giving her an adult sensibility with a kid's sort of innocence. And I don't think that they should have made her like uh, an absolute raging asshole. But the fact about really smart kids is that they're often very easily able to pick up on how to push the line of funny versus mean. Like just when you come across really smart kids, they will zing you and it will be hysterical and probably pretty insightful. And also it's going to hurt all that much more because you're like, you're 10 and you picked up on that. Like I've got a niece who roasts me and I love it because it means she's smart and funny and insightful. But one time I was trying to explain to her about the TV show Gem and she was like, what? And I was like, oh, it's a show that I watched when I was little. She goes, oh, so it's boring. And I was like, fuck, I didn't even know we were fighting. Like, you just, <laughs> you, you just came out of nowhere with that and got me. So I feel like it's not the most accurate representation of what an incredibly bright, insightful 13-year-old be, would be, because she would be a little bit bitchier than she is right now. I, I agree with you two on this, and I, I wouldn't have expected to. It's not what I thought, Come, you know, when I watched it. Um, but it does feel, I, okay. I originally bought it because I think she is interested in the business of, of football. I think, um, you know, and she's stated as much. So I thought, okay, she'll be invested in learning this, but I do think maybe we needed her to be talking about a particular thing. And so we just sort of squeezed it in there. I do feel I put it this way. I bought this, the, the, the shot about you're not going to leave for another six years, you know, walking out, of, you know, when, uh, Rebecca was going to go pay the bill and get, get out of, get yeah, out I, of, I bought that sandwiches. too. I bought that in a way yeah. that I think you're right. This doesn't quite feel as, um, authentic to what a, where a 13 year old's head would be about it. Yeah. So, um, we, uh, Nora points that, that the club's a little bit fucked. Yeah. They, they laugh and Higgins says, Nora got it, got to the point quicker than Ted did, uh, which is funny. Uh, and then in comes Sam Obisanya. Uh, Rebecca tries to introduce it, but introduce, uh, Sam to, to, um, to Nora, but she's like, obviously clearly knows who Sam is. Sam Obisanya. Hi, Sam Obisanya. She's like sort of captivated by him. Um, and Sam's, uh, is such a sweetheart. So, oh yes, you used to watch, used to used to watch Frozen together, um, and which is a, a, amazing that Sam remembered. It's a beautiful metaphor for many of life's journeys, especially puberty. Um, <laughs> I loved. I, can I, I? I do want to jump in on that though. I love that moment for a couple of reasons. One, Nora, you know, obviously has a crush on Sam, and even his mentioning. Of pu- like this, like I can only imagine on the inside, like she's never, f- she had this moment of there he is, and then this moment of oh no, he thinks I'm in the midst of puberty, and then him kind of making it seem like he's also referencing his own rather recent puberty compared to everybody else in the room. So I just thought there was like a, a great awkward humor to to the way Sam very innocently he's not doing any of those things, he's just sharing his thought, but just all the awkwardness it caused. 
Sam is he's delightful. Um, I just I just love Sam. Uh, so uh, there's an awkward little beat. Nora makes a face, and then Sam explains that he wants to pull out of Dubai Air, and and you know Higgins gasps, and he says you know he's sorry, but it's come to his attention that their parent company, Cerithium Oil, is destroying Nigeria's environment. And at the same time, bribing government officials to look the other way, and he can't be the face of one of their subsidiaries. And Nora says, "Hell yeah." Where I'm like, okay, uh, okay, all right, fine, like whatever, it, it, it it's fine. I don't buy it, but okay. Uh, oh, I, I bought it buy- generationally. I'm sorry, yeah. you you got it, boss. No, no, I was just gonna say exactly the same thing. That I feel like uh, I think a lot about how uh, the millennials now have to recognize that uh, we might have adopted the internet and you know, like conscientious consumerism. But Gen Z was born into this. And so I totally buy that a 13 year old would be like, fuck yeah, take down the oil corporations, mm-hmm. go for it, do it. Like she would support her team. She would support Sam and the club, but she'd be like, hell yeah, down with oil. Yeah. I actually do, but I agree with you on that. I buy, I'll buy the fact that Gen Z is, is ready to rock. Uh, I just didn't buy that she would say it in that time, but it's fine. It's, again, it doesn't matter. Uh, Keely, uh, Sam says, I'm sorry. You know how I know how hard you work for this. And she says, it's okay. Um, and Rebecca says, of course, you don't have to do it, Sam. I'll take care of it. Um, and he says goodbye to Nora and says it was lovely to meet her. And she can't believe that he remembered her name. Um, Higgins says Rebecca should probably, um, use the word bell, uh, bell them. Uh, so I'm guessing, which is a phone reference. Um, and, uh, before Sam pulls out and she says that the CEO of, Serithium oil is an old friend of Rupert's and perhaps you'll still find her charming. Uh, an old friend of Rupert's um, that, that can only bode well. I know. And I love that you just get all of, like, it's more understood. It's Rupert helps us know exactly who this guy is going to be. He's in oil. He obviously has hit on his friend's wife enough that she uses the deliciously euphemistic charming. Um, like it just was like, of course, right. of course, that's who this guy is. I think, of course, that's who that guy is. I would also like to point out that if Rupert has rich friends who he is convincing to invest in his football club, maybe Rupert isn't a brilliant businessman, but just kind of knows a lot of rich people, which is a thing for rich mm-hmm. white dudes. Yeah, it's a great. Yeah, that's a yes. That, that's a, that's on point. But also, I will take any pot shot at Rupert at any point, so might as well throw one in there. We cut to training now. Ted Lasso. Oh, sorry. Led. <laughs> We're okay. Oh here we go. God. Here we go. Take a deep breath, folks. <laughs> okay. <sighs> here we go. I just okay. like all the all the diehard Ted Lasso fans to know that I'm going to do my best here. We may we, <sighs> we 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 will not get through this unscathed, but we're going to do our best. Let me let me let me say this. Um, oh, oh wait, boss, do you want to say something before I? No, I was just taking stuff? a lot of deep cleansing breaths. That's smart. Um, I will say this. The, I I think my main problem with Led Tasso is not Led Tasso in and of itself. Uh, conceptually, the the concept of a coach doing something to uh, sort of psychologically affect his player base is normal. I think that's what coaches do. Uh, my issue is I don't know if it's a bit because of the way it's written. Um, it, I didn't get whether or not 
okay, there's a couple of things like the no, 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 you know what it is. It, how much of that is a joke between coach and beard, uh, Ted and beard, how much of when he runs out, like, uh, beard is already on the, on the pitch with Nate and Ted comes out of the lot. Like he was sort of getting himself into character and th- uh, topples a table in front of Will, the kit boy and, uh, and kit man, kit man, kit boy. Why am I saying kit boy? Um, yeah, it's kit man, kit man, I think. Yeah. Um, and, uh, then he takes a, uh, like a bottle of, 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 uh, what do they call it? Sports mix. And hucks it into the stands. <laughs> and I was like, uh, I was like, damn, that's a, he really chucked it right, right sort of past, uh, Dr. Sharon Fieldstone, who's watching practice. Um, and then he goes out and starts making an ass of himself, um, intentionally. Uh, and I, when, when Beard snaps him out of it at the end of it, He's like, how long was I out for? And and I was like, wait a second, is this is this yet another thing between them, which I could jump in on and be and sort of enjoy, or is this like we're supposed to believe Ted actually gets into his own? And so maybe before we start, Coach, you as the de facto um, apologist for anything bad about the show, uh, can maybe weigh <laughs> in on this. Um, yes. So I didn't. Lo- I I will be honest that I did not love that element of it that he snapped him out of it because I, I, to me, then it did get confused. Like I've had, as a coach, I've been, I've done things where I like intentionally ran them or was mean or whatever, knowing. Yeah. Like going for a similar thing, like good, they'll all rally together and I can be the best that, that got it. No problem. The snapping him out of it, it felt performative, but there was no one there to be performing for. So I was like, I don't get, I don't get this part. So, that, so I will say the the snapping him out of it didn't work for me. I did, I like, I did think up to there, it, up to there, it was funny to me, and I got what they were doing, and I got you know the whole thing, and I and it and and it worked to to a certain degree. Um, but yeah, I thought that. Uh, the the snapping him out of it confused me. I was like, so who's who's in on this and who's not? Right. That that's all. It's fine if it's just a little bit, which I think is what it is. Looking back, I think and I've watched it several times, um, and I'm like, okay, it, it's just a bit. It's supposed to be a bit, and it's, it's this is a comedy. This is supposed to be fun. Why can't we just shut up and have fun? Like, why am I being so picky, nitpicky about some little bit? And it's because I didn't know it was a bit. And even now, after analysis, I'm like, wait, okay, I guess, all right, I guess it was a bit, but the snap out thing, and I was like, okay, it, it doesn't matter. Adversity uh, breeds closeness between players. Coaches do this all the time. They yell at their players, and the coaches align against the coach. This is really common stuff. It's not, not. Um, uh, I guess part of it is like Jamie saying, "Hey, coach, like, can you knock it out?" And, and I'm jumping ahead, but. He eventually Jamie's like, dude, can you stop this? Like whatever this like Jekyll and Hyde shit is, is like stupid. And, and that's the thing. There are elements of lead Tasso that are funny. I, I even friggin' Dumbo. <laughs> I'll watch that all. Day. I loved that. Line. I was like, that is fantastic. Um, and we had a really quick cut after that. So uh, anyway, let me, let me back up. Listen up. You little turd birds practice starts at 11 o'clock. If you're not stretched five minutes early, you're 45 minutes late coach. Knowing you, did that remind you of any coach that we have followed over the years? Oh, uh, Coughlin. 
exactly. That's the first thing I, I thought. Yeah, 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 yeah. Coughlin for, in the for, 10 minutes former, early. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's right. If you're not 10 minutes early, you're you're late. Uh, Tom Coughlin, former coach of the Giants. Uh, that just, that, that's what that sounded like to me. Um, do you understand me? Do you understand me? Uh, touch your toes, uh, your feet, fingers, then touch each other's toes. It's like, okay, this is preposterous. Um, then he does a thing, um, uh, where, um, it, I don't know if you guys noticed in the background, Will was, Will was like, had to go up. Into I the did. Bleachers. <laughs> but by the way, to me, that humor wise i'll try to be quick with this humor wise that flop that that goes in the that goes in the direction i love about ted lasso and is counter to the snap out of it because to me when you throw a bottle up in a stands like somebody's got to go get that bottle and i do get tired sometimes in comedy i mean if it's some cartoon or whatever but if, if it's like a real comedy and someone does something like that and we move on and no one ever has to pick up the bottle i get i i sometimes get taken out so that made me one made me laugh but it grounded it in a way that the other piece isn't grounded yeah it's a different it's a different sort of type of comedy and it, but it works and it's great and and ted lasso is amazing and does these things where you go oh that's such a nice touch like that's fantastic um and 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 you have to credit the editor and 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 whoever was rolling uh who, who directed this episode i think it was um Ezra edelman yeah edelman yeah yeah and and you know that he had the footage of that in the background that they made that they you know it's, that would be a very easy thing to miss i think um and not not get into the episode just because of uh you know accidentally not having that shot um but um, so he continues, has everybody touch each other's toes. I don't really muscle. I don't want to see working right now is your mouth, Colin. Um, uh, you know, Led Tasso yells at um, Bomber Catch and he does this thing um, about you want to be married to a ball. Um, and how he gets there is uh, it, it's it's like, I don't know. What do you think, coach? You have a thought on that? Not on that piece specifically. I actually was going to ask a question, which is what, how did you feel? How did either of you feel knowing that this was not your favorite moment in the series about that rant about the ball and the, you know, make it your girlfriend and all that. And then into the Isaac chuckle. Like, I just, I'm curious how that landed for you. The thing that I immediately thought about was uh full metal jacket. Which definitely, my parents let me watch when I was way too young, and I didn't understand a lot of it for many years. But one of the things I kept thinking was, why do all of these dudes want to marry their guns? Like, I don't understand it. You're supposed to sleep with your gun. Like, your gun is your life. And, mm-hmm. and so I kept thinking, like, oh, you're you're going to marry the ball? Cause, mm-hmm. yeah. So I, I had... A real, not a really hard time. I'm sure that's scene. what they were going for, boss. By the way, I, that they were I, like, let's uh, how about if let's throw in a little Full Metal Jacket <laughs> reference, <laughs> an Arlie Army. Of course, yeah, yeah, let's no, throw in sure. a little Full Metal Jacket. I think maybe the fact that I said that I watched Full Metal Jacket as a child should give you an indication that my childhood was a little bit weird. I like to, <laughs> I like to very much differentiate Every, between. Everything you say gives us that insight. Oh, sure. Absolutely. That's, that is an accurate, if that's what you've taken away from me, you are 100% correct about that. Um, (laughs) I I do like to differentiate between a bad childhood and uh, a childhood with some adversity. But what I'll say is when Led Tasso came out screaming about nothing, I was like, oh, 
somebody fucked up really bad. Like this does not to me elicit an idea of we need to band together as a team because the boss is being a dick. It's more like a, a I, I very much as an adult like knowing what the rules are. I like knowing what the punishment is if I don't follow the rules. Like if I'm going 95 and a 65, I'm going to get a speeding ticket. And I understand all that. And that feels fine. But to suddenly have like seemingly a crazy person come screaming out of the locker room because you weren't ready for drills, even though that's never been a rule before, like it set everything on me on edge. Like, I didn't think it was funny. I didn't find it amusing. Even when he said touch each other's toes, I'm like, no, you just came out here looking like a crazy person screaming at adults who you are supposed to be the supervisor of for absolutely no reason. And then never explain to them why you were doing what you were doing. Like, I I totally agree. Erratic and terrible. And I didn't like it at all. Well, the show paints itself into a corner a little bit because... It has, it does such a masterful job season one of being honest about mental illness issues and, and panic attacks and, yes. and things that are like real red flags and how, how groups of any kind, it happens to be a soccer team and an administrative uh, group uh, with regard to that team, but you know, how people, how tribes band together to support their members and you go, wait a second. If they saw this, everybody would be around Ted. Like, are you okay? Like they wouldn't just go along with it. Sam would be like, put his arm around him and be like, Ted, can I get you some water? You know, like it would be like, no one would. Like definitely somebody would be looking at beard. Like, Hey beard, do you need to step in? Like what's going on right now? Because I think that it's definitely uh, like when I did stats on the wrestling team, when the wrestlers fucked up, when they were doing not just that they lost their match, but when they were making stupid mistakes, when they weren't taking it seriously, when they like were doing a bad job, the coach who could be terrifying when he wanted to be would yell at them. And it was scary. And everybody understood why it was happening and what he was trying to accomplish and what they needed to do the next day in practice in order to make up for that. I think that a big part of this for me is that Ted seemed completely different. Nobody addressed that. He's supposed to be part of the team, but he's yelling at the team for no reason. Like it just, nothing about it landed right for me. I'm not in disagreement. And that's, I almost never want to disagree with you, boss. So that works out. But I I think in context, I don't disagree with what you said, but I think in context, it might, they might not say anything in that it's not, it probably isn't that far from the craziest coach they've had or a crazy coach they've had. Like that in context, like having some coach just come out in a pissy mood and just act crazy with everyone wouldn't in itself be it wouldn't be so far off the map that they'd be like whoa time out stop trading what's happening here (laughs) i get i get that like from ted this is wild but i think there's a bit of that in play um and i would just like to point out that i used to sometimes get in trouble you learned as time went on but we had 
quote unquote optional lunchtime meetings when I was in high school for the football team. And it was to review film, go over the things, whatever. And you didn't know when the meeting was going to start and you weren't told when the meeting was going to start, but you knew there was a meeting and it was optional, but you had to be there and you could be late if you showed up after coach started talking at a time you had no way of knowing. So what we would all, you'd eat lunch in like seven minutes and you just see us like sprinting downstairs like a bunch of lunatics to maybe catch him, maybe be late, maybe be 10 minutes early. We'll find out. So I don't know, maybe I, maybe uh, a bit of my post-traumatic stress allowed me to uh, yeah. accept the chaos of all this. One, I love that definition of optional, that it's optional, but you have to be there. And two, this is why I'm an accountant now, because I know exactly when I need to show up and exactly what I'm supposed to be doing. And if somebody says, no, it was supposed to be something else, then I go back to the, my tape uh, emails and I'm like, no, 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 no. You, you told me 1045. So 1045 is when I'm here. But, they, you know, th- this is why we end up in different careers. This is uh these are all great insights. Um I had the I had the sense that the you want to be married to a ball was was um sort of off the cuff and not written and whereas the Tim Burton trees in a Tim Burton movie was written. Um but it's fine. Uh I don't think t- Led Tasso is going to go down in the annals of TV as as one of uh the finer uh parts of this series but um I <clears throat> it's okay. It's all right. Listen, you you, you got to <laughs> not have not everything's going to be perfect. Um, I did love even freaking Dumbo. My God, I loved it so much. And then we got a real quick cut to Rebecca's office. So we didn't get to sit with it long enough, in my opinion. But um, uh, we have Rebecca calling Rupert. Uh, sorry, not Rupert. Uh, calling uh, Richard, who is Rupert's old friend. Uh, she starts out by asking him if he's in his third or fourth house. He says he's actually on the yacht and asks if she wants to come join him. Um, <clears throat> Nora rolls her eyes appropriately. This is, this is where I started appreciating Nora a little bit because she, uh, her, her character at this point is reacting for us on behalf of us, which I appreciated. So she gives him like the double finger. She's just like, you know, fuck you. That's gross. Uh, oh, and that's specifically, she gives him when he says, uh, he says, would you like to come join me on my yacht? And Rebecca says, I don't think your, you know, nice, your lovely new wife would appreciate that. And, he, and Richard says, as long as she can watch, she doesn't mind. Um, whew, man. Okay. Yeah. It's gross. The only uh, thing I wanted to add here is that I'm wondering how much he was trying to reference the topless photos of Rebecca on the yacht from season one. Cause that is a thing that creeps like to do. Oh Yeah. Yeah. I didn't even think oh, of wow. that to try to sh- like a- apply a little shame and and yeah. defensive or neg yeah. or whatever they call it. Yes, either neg her or also just Gross. like I loved the the potential connection and whether they intended it or not, but the connection with the yacht and the topless photo, and I just thought that is not something I thought of. And uh, yeah, it's, it's, it seemed pretty interesting to me that he might even be referencing that. Yeah, God, that's gross if he is. Woof, but good job but to the to the writing staff and uh good job, boss, catching that. So um, I have a question though, real quick for boss around this scene. Especially, you know, we've got the double, you know, the double finger, which I was endorsing a hundred percent. It part of what I enjoyed about this scene was I, I felt like I was also watch I was watching Rebecca, who's had to deal with gross men probably since she was exactly Nora's age. 
Mm-hmm. Um, be masterful, right? No, just give him just enough. You know, you're so rich. Tee hee hee. I have a thing I want. You're gross. I'll make this quick. And, and I like that I got this sense that one, Nora already knew. So I got the sense that she has already started her training of managing gross men, but also that in this moment, she might be learning a bit about how to navigate it. And, and I think, I feel like a later scene sort of reinforces that. So my question to you, not having been part of it, of, of that kind of conversation, because I'm one of those gross men, apparently, <laughs> which is sad, yeah. and, sad and sobering. Um, but yeah, like, did you, was there anything there for you watching that scene that's, that, that, that resonated? Or am I like making shit up now? Or like, but it just, that stood out to me. No, not at all. And actually, this is one of the scenes. Well, number one, I would like to uh, specifically state for the record, neither one of the men on this call are part of the gross men contingent to the best of my knowledge. I I trust in both of you that you're and the fact that both of you were like, oh, shit, men do that sometimes. Like, no, wait a a sec. Wait a sec. I have to say that we grew up in an era of gross men contingent and that we probably unintentionally we're very gross men at some point, you know, at some point. I mean, I think coach is still gross. Sure. <laughs> I, That's- I know he tries, but man, he grosses me out. Um, sure. But, uh, but no, no, I think we grew up in an era where sexual harassment was very, very, very common, like uh, ridiculously common. And so, yes, we have hopefully tried to better ourselves and evolve to the point where we were, grossed out by this but yes we're not actively um propositioning co-workers or whatever i'm trying to think like rebecca's on his tier i guess as an owner of a a fellow business owner but in that she's asking it makes her feel subordinate to him or or, i don't know or something or because he's their sponsor she owes him i I don't really there's definitely like a power power dynamic yeah there's definitely a power dynamic yes and also i think um you know, trying to judge people in the past by today's standards isn't really beneficial in terms of figuring out who they were at the time. Like, we don't have to accept that people, because they used to be gross all the time, because everybody used to be gross in the 80s, it's fine that you're gross. Like, that's not okay. Mm-hmm. But also, like, if you were a product of your time, there's a certain amount of understanding of this is how things functioned at the time. Even if you guys were gross at a period. Right now, you're way less gross than a lot of the dudes out there, which would make for me, uh, I believe that you're not part of the gross contingent. So, Thanks, yes, boss. I think we're going to get those. I think we're going to buy yeah. some t-shirts. Uh, way less gross <laughs> t-shirts. <laughs> we, are, we are currently not part of the gross man contingent is the t-shirt that I would like to see. I think That's that would it. be ideal. Um but yes, no, sorry, to get back to your question, uh, uh, Coach, I think one of the difficulties in raising daughters or, or you know, like the way that uh, Rebecca is sort of a role model, not sort of, the way that Rebecca is a role model for Nora in modeling this behavior is trying to teach women about the realities of needing to deal with gross men and powerful positions and how... Rebecca could unfortunately not go in guns blazing and saying, hey, fuck you, you creepy bastard. We're not going to be doing this. That she did need to work within the situation. But also that the situation is bad. Like the impression that she gave to Nora is this is a shitty part of the job where I need to deal with a shitty dude who's Mm -hmm. going to say gross things to me. 
And hopefully Nora will have enough equity as compared to other men that she can go in more guns blazing when she's an adult and say, no, I'm actually not going to put up with this bullshit. Like you're a bad sponsor. And so we're not going to do it. But I think that there is, you know, a balancing act between those two where you try to make sure that she understands sometimes you need to play the game and the game sucks. So if you could change the game, please do so. Love it. Uh, I, we have the next scene is is the the, the close closure of the Ted Lasso scene uh, where Jamie gets you know chirps up and Ted excuses everybody ends practice and and a couple of guys pat Jamie on on the uh, on the arm to sort of thank him for speaking up. Uh, Sam noticeably does not even make eye contact with him, just walks right by. Uh, and then we have this beard snapping led Tasso out of it, and so we've we've really you know, asked and answered this part. So we're going to fly right by it. Um, how long was I out? It doesn't matter. You're back now. Uh, thank, thank God. Um, okay. So Dr. Uh, Dr. Uh, Sharon uh, says, um, yeah, that was interesting. And she sums it up very quickly. And uh, you know, they, they make, you know, he's an asshole and makes himself an enemy. And they're like, Oh yeah, yeah. She's asked if it ever worked. And I love that beard. <laughs> beard. It's like a uh, Chuck E. Cheese. <laughs> That I, I, the whole thing with them, and I, you know, we haven't had a good, in my, like a good fish out of water joke, I think, in a little bit, but them trying to explain Chuck E. Cheese to somebody did very much make me laugh. Um, yes, a yeah. European. It's just, I, yeah, I, I thought it was really nice that he's a mouse, but he's also a musician. He loves video games and pizza. I was surprised she wasn't like, "Oh, that's incredibly American." Like, what a, but you know, that was sort of inferred, I guess. But um, I love that an offensive lineman who I love offensive lineman in general um, got his head stuck in a VR machine. <laughs> <laughs> I, that made I I liked it, and, and I thought, but it did just work. Like it did actually just work. Like it didn't absolutely work. It isn't like problem solved. But several guys, as you point out, did thank Jamie on the way off. Jamie had an opportunity to stand up for his teammates and sort of like be a voice that people appreciated hearing. Not Sam. And I think he particular he was particularly shitty to Sam. So that you know he might got to do a little more work on that one. But it's it was kind of funny to me that as much as. Even in the context of the show, we see it's a, a crazy thing to do. It didn't totally miss. I love that you're like, yeah, right. I like that you have a little chip on your shoulder for Dr. Sharon where you're like, yeah, right fucking there. Did, were you watching? It just. <laughs> God, damn, coach. Don't ruffle coaches. You scare me. You scare me. We've, we've established that you scare me and gross me out on this episode. Um, so. Um, <laughs> I get what that I want to say, more than you might guess. <laughs> right, right, that's my. That's 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 what I'm going for. Um, I was in Daphne's so, vows, is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> um, okay, so uh, we cut now back to Rebecca's office. I found myself very like bored by the cut, cutbacks between Rebecca's office and, and and the pitch because I felt like, oh God, like. There's not nothing else is going. There's like a it's a time cut because an entire a good chunk of practice has happened. But now we're back to Rebecca's office, uh, and she is trying to figure out. Uh, we can either release Sam, which we're not going to do, or we tell the 
see how our biggest sponsor to piss off. And now we get a little story from Nora, which I actually didn't mind because I kind of like the you got in trouble for chewing gum. She says she got in trouble for chewing gum in the bathroom. And Rebecca says, you got in trouble chewing gum. She says, no, I was smoking, but I don't want to lecture. And <laughs> I liked that. And I thought, oh, that's that's fun. Uh, and then Rebecca says, I'll allow it. And she wants to hear the story. Um, and and basically, uh, Nora stuck up for her friend who was – I didn't understand what the teacher – the teacher was yelling at her friend for smoking. Nora was hiding in the bathroom. And then she said, I, I just don't know the meaning of this word in, in from a British standpoint. Because the teacher started to get a bit shitty with her. And I was like, God, I wonder what that is. Yeah, I wondered. I wondered too. My guess was, it's funny that you say it because I specifically wondered about that. And my guess was that, like, she felt it crossed from you're doing a bad thing to you're a bad kid, like something in that vicinity. But I'm not, I'm not sure. That is exactly how I read it. But also because when I was in high school, not exactly the same thing, but I had a, a teacher yelling at a friend uh, uh, about how she was a problem student and that she wasn't doing anything right. And I, at the time, was an honor student and didn't really get in trouble and was involved in after school sports. And they didn't know that I was drinking and smoking and hooking up on the weekends because they didn't need to. They were my teachers. But so me being there also being like, hey, actually, my friend isn't shitty. She's doing a shitty thing. Quit yelling at her so much. So that that is how I read it. That the teacher started getting insulting instead of just being like, "Don't smoke at school." If if you could write out the sentence that you just said, uh, boss, it, it sounded like you like I'm, I mentally inserted an Oxford comma because you said you were drinking and smoking and hooking up on weekends. And I was like, "Oh, it's nice that she drinks and smokes all the time, but only oh, sure. hooks up on, sure, 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 on weekends." Sure. I thought that was, was yeah. Yeah, no, listen, I mean, everybody needs a Bloody Mary Monday morning going back to school, obviously. <laughs> right, for, for, yeah, no, no, high school no. is tough. Yeah, um, okay, so, tough. <laughs> so, so um, uh, she had to watch a three-hour video about cancer for, for you know, protecting her friend, but uh, the point is on Stinky, sometimes you have to do the right thing, even if you lose. So, again, uh very hard won wisdom from Nora. And weirdly, as much as I've rallied against Nora up till this point in the episode, I think up until the double fingers, I kind of just was like, Ugh. and I like the double fingers because I, I felt like that character had a, had a, um, a point for me. And then at this, and, and now I'm sort of going along with it. And you'll see, uh, we get to the scene where she's dictating something, uh, and sort of using a lot of profanity with Rebecca. And I was like, actually really liked it, which is goes contrary to what I've said up to this point. But, uh, coach, what do you think of that? I, I really liked the, the three hour video about cancer in that sassy, I think it would be easy to sort of dismiss Sassy and the way she's talked and talks and is so freewheeling as if she's not very much Nora's mom. And for me, this was a moment of pointing to, and actually I think the cobblestone away thing too, that she's, no, she's a real mom. She's got a sense of humor. She's real. She's not, you know, she doesn't sugarcoat things. Obviously she says things in a certain way that Nora speaks in a certain way. But that she was that she's still very much like a responsible mom. This is a kid who actually has a good head on their shoulders and 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 this all works together. So for me, I liked I liked that they kind of tossed that piece in that uh Sassy was like, 
you will not smoke and you will regret that choice uh, for at least three hours. That's a really good point. I, I never think of uh, Sassy as a responsible mother for some reason. I don't know why that, that has, I think of her as like fun and, and quirky and I don't know, good comic relief, but I'd never think of her as like, Oh yeah, she's actually a mother too. I, I don't know why. I, maybe that, I have a, I it's, know. Latent societal misogyny. Don't worry about it. It might, it might, it might be. It might be. I'm like wrecking. Well, I guess like also, I just don't think we've seen a lot of her and Nora. Have have we seen them on the screen together? At no, this point? Point? not no. yet. Yes. Yeah. Not okay. Yet. That's yeah. that's why. That's why I just hadn't seen. Okay. That's why. Um, also misogyny. Um, okay. So um, <laughs> J- Jamie, uh, uh, we're in Keeley's office now. Jamie comes in. Uh, he's taken aback by the life uh, uh, the life size Roy Kent uh, standee on the wall. Um, or what do they call it? Fathead? What are those things that the whatever the Roy Kent? Those are fatheads. That is. Yeah, I, got, fathead. I got my son a fathead of him shooting a jump shot. Fun fact. Loved it. Oh, that's nice. Oh, you can do your own fathead. You can yeah. get a custom fathead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I never thought I'd say the word fathead this much. Um, <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, Jamie asked her if she's busy and he's scrambling because of Sam and uh, uh sh- sorry jamie is uh is is asking if she's busy and and keely is saying oh i'm scrambling because of the whole sam thing and jamie offers like to do the dubai <laughs> ad for him super classy um and she is this is like when you're when you're re- you have a deadline and then your child comes in or somebody comes in like keely's like oh jesus christ he, you know he doesn't know how to show the team that he's quote unquote cool now this is great. Keely gets up from her desk, walks him into Dr. Sharon's office. Um, Jamie is saying things like, as they're walking through the halls of AFC Richmond, I mean, if they want to be little bitches about actually having someone on the pitch who can score a goal, then what? I'm supposed to walk around with my head down? Like, no. <laughs> I'm like, wow, this is this is prime Jamie. Um, it's like they're holding on to a silly grudge. It's not my fault I'm special. It's not my fault I'm special. Oh, <laughs> my God. that was That's fantastic. Classically, Jamie, and like so that like they just say that because they're jealous, which is like that my temperature goes up automatically ten degrees when that logic gets broken. Oh my out. god! Because invariably, 100%. it's like I could give you thirty reasons before they're jealous for why they hate you, but almost yeah. invariably. All right, so Keely dumps off uh, Doctor uh, Jamie to Doctor uh, Fieldstone. And uh, she says she actually gets paid to hear you complain. And uh, Jamie, I, that was that was fun. Uh, what do you think of that, Coach? I, I just wanted to say I think this is significant in terms of Keeley's evolution. In that, well, I think well, I think Keeley and Sam are like the 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 true uh, lasso way acolytes in the show. Uh, but in that she's now learning, like she can care about it. She cares about Jamie. She doesn't just say like, get the fuck out. Right. But, but, but she also is like, but I have work to do. And that's part of being a, a boss. Like, I don't mean that in like the colloquial, like slang way. I just mean like part of being in charge is like, I've got a lot of things to take care of. They're big, bigger and more important than this thing that's in front of me. Doesn't mean I don't care. I may be sensitive to that right now because I'm growing my own business and learning that like there's just some stuff I got to like put on someone else's plate. But I thought it was a moment of Keely's evolution. I think in season one, 
she sits there, she has the conversation, she's really helpful to Jamie, all the things. But I think here is where we start to see, and I think it points to some things that are going to happen later, but where we start to see her say, but I prioritize this work I do. Right. Yeah. Great, great point. I think that that's a really great point that she's taking her job more seriously, that this echoes back to her telling Rebecca she's sort of famous for being almost famous, whereas now she actually has a career that she's working on. Yes, yes. I think it's also really important, though, that Jamie continually comes back to Keeley because Keeley is a person that he feels safe talking to. And she repeatedly says, I'm not the person you need to talk to about this. In season one, in season one, he says he doesn't want to go to the uh, group burning of their trash that night. And she's like, no, you need to go. You're part of the team. When he gets kicked off of uh, Lost Island, he goes to her and says, I don't know what to do with my career. And she's like, talk to the soccer coach who might help your career. And this time he's having trouble with his teammates. And she's like, go talk to the sports psychologist who is on staff to deal with all of these interactions. Like, I can't be your person anymore. You need to branch out and talk to people who can handle this. And also, don't go to your friends for your psychological, for your therapy. Go to a therapist. Like, your friends you could bitch to and you could complain about small things. But if you're saying I'm having a really serious issue with my coworkers and I'm not sure how to deal with these interpersonal relationships, go see a fucking therapist. Your friend is not for that. The end of rant. That was... That was certified. That's, that's, what do you say? Yeah. Five stars. Five stars. Certified fresh. That's, you guys. That's, that's what you, you get from are, me. My God, that was good. That is. That's why you're the boss. That's. That is why. Because the other two people with ADHD can't hold a through line to save their lives on this podcast. Exactly. I'm like. I remember what happened. Sorry, four I missed most ago. of that, but a bird went by my window. So if we could do it. <laughs> Fantastic. I would I would argue that uh, one of the things that I miss most about season two or something that that I will eventually complain about is uh, the lack of development for Keeley. So this is a nice point that um, because I feel like I wanted much more from her uh, this season. Oh, I bet I, you did. Yeah, <laughs> not, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm, I'm kidding. God, I had to be gross. Boss God. totally made me uncomfortable. I You're feel like we're going to get Richard. Like, emails in. It's, it's it's true. Yeah. It's true. I, I put you guys up too high on that pedestal. Got to <laughs> knock it down a little bit. That's right. We got to be more Rupert-esque. Um, yeah. No, anyway, I thought it was great. Um, we moved to uh, Rebecca's house um, where Rebecca and Nora are in bed, lying on their, on their stomachs. And uh, Nora is dictating the email to Richard from Cerithium Oil, uh, Richard Cole. And so she is uh, dictating in a, and this is like the Obama uh, anger translator. Or something. Oh, yeah. I, love, I like, yes. it totally worked for me. This yeah. is like, yes, this is actually what we're saying. And this, that's why everyone likes the email. Uh, this You all see this ubiquitously on Twitter and things like that, where they say like, oh, what does it mean when you sign an email? Thanks, as opposed to warmly or whatever. It's mm-hmm, like, I don't know, mm-hmm. because there are these hidden meanings to everything. But we get a version of that here. Hey, Dick Hole, dear Richard Cole, you creepy old pedo, my old friend. Sam isn't going anywhere, asshole. I've decided not to release Sam Obasanya. You're a shitty old man with a tiny shriveled penis. I feel sorry for your wife. Her life must be constant hell, must be a constant hell. Please give Daphne my love. Um, sincerely boss ass bitch, sincerely boss ass bitch. 
and then she hits send. And I was like, that is a very, very clinically effective scene. Like, excellent, excellent work to the writing team, to, to a really tight uh, scene that w- I thought worked really well. And I'd like to add, I'm, again, curious, any additional insight, boss, but I loved that they were laying on the bed the way they were. I thought that was like a, whether that was a writing choice or a directorial choice, I don't know, but I thought that that, I'm loving the energy between them and even the laughter at the end, like when Nora, because Nora's been getting, you know, quote unquote, edited through the whole thing. And how much they both enjoy that she really signed off sincerely, boss ass bitch. Like I just, I loved it. I, that, like, that was one of the highlights Absol- of this episode. For Absolutely, me. and and for for a show that opened with, uh, um, uh, boss, I'm gonna let you jump in. But a show that opened with the fact that Rebecca doesn't know how to handle a 13 year old. Now it's like a slumber party. It, yes. I loved the choice of them lying on the bed and having a blast. And now it feels like, oh God, she has she's figured this out. Yes, absolutely. I I think this is one of the, uh, if not the best scene of this episode, definitely one of the better ones. I did like it. I very much liked uh, the, you know, manifesting this thing that I feel like a lot of people in general, but maybe women in particular have to do when they're sending an email, which is navigate this. I want to seem friendly. I don't want to seem bitchy or demanding or overly aggressive, but also I want to get my point across. How many exclamation points do I need to include in this email in order to make the tone perfect? Oh, so, God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So just, having, just to soften it for like the for the mm-hmm. weak-willed man I'm sending this to, like, so I don't... Um... Yeah, and not just men. Like, I will bag on men throughout this entire podcast every single episode, but women do this shit too, where if you don't say it in the right way, a woman getting your email will be like, oh, that's awfully demanding. She didn't say, could you maybe double check these numbers because it looks like something's off? Like if I just sent an email and I was like, that's not Mm -hmm. the right total, will you check it? Mm -hmm. Hell to pay. Absolute hell to pay, regardless of who I'm sending it to. Interesting. Per per our previous email. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Means I, I already fucking <gasps> said this, asshole. I already, um, anyway, I already told you. Yeah. But yes, no. Yeah, so this it, is like your life. Uh, ha- having that actually play out between two people, much in the same way that the Obama anger translator. Yes, I love this. I love that they're on the bed. I love when, um, like, one of my very close friends from college who I've known for two decades, I'm also very good friends with her sister and her sister in law. And so I sort of love when those relationships form where you're like, yes, we have this other person that we're friends. It's sort of in the same way that uh, Keely and Sassy are now friends, that they love each other. Right, right. Those connections always feel so fun because you're like, it's not just that I love this person. I do love this person and all the things that they love also are good. So like, of course, you're going to love Sassy's daughter. It's Sassy's daughter. How could you not? Um, But then also signing off like boss ass bitch. Just, Just the kicker that... I will be polite and I will be professional, but also I'm not going to pretend that I am not the badass that I am. I really liked. So yes, great scene. Opposite of Latasso. Very happy. <laughs> All right. So we, we jump right. Okay. Now I just said that I thought that was like a t- textbook, like clinically good scene. So good. So tight. So sharp. And yet as soon as we see Jeff Stelling, I noticed my interest peaked, like picked up, like 
substantially. I'm like, okay, now this may be internalized misogyny, or this may just be the fact that I say, actually, like, I just want to hear more about the soccer. Like, I really came into the season wanting mm-hmm. more about the. And so I'm owning the fact that when the show does what I had hoped for, I definitely feel more more invested. But I also know I'm about to see Roy. Um, and I think Jeff Stelling does a great job. Like this, this just the straight man on this, and 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 uh, you know, running the show the right way. Uh, Ch- Chris Kamara, George Kartrick. I mean, this is I just like this setup. Um, uh, Roy is grumbling still, um, and Jeff uh, brings up one of the last times we saw Roy Kent on the pitch uh, when him and Jamie got into it. Um, and the big story today is the return of Jamie Tart to AFC Richmond, the ex Manchester City starlet, and Les Congress all reject. <laughs> He's the loser, not a loser. Um, and um, uh, Jeff, Jeff asks Roy his thoughts. And boss, what does um, Roy say on national television about Jamie Tart? Jamie Tart is a Muppet, and I hope he dies of the incurable condition of being a little bitch. Delicious. Holy shit. I mean. Obviously, oh. all wounds have been forgiven with time. Obviously, watching. <laughs> yeah, not not only getting his rival's ex-girlfriend, but also watching him fail so spectacularly on national television and now being relegated to a team not in the Premier League has made Roy slightly softer towards Jamie. Obviously. Also, also all his be- all his best friends in the world were just saying how much they love him. Do you remember this and the with the, when Joy's with the yoga yoga moms and oh, God, they're yes. like, oh my God, he's yeah, so dreamy. Yeah, yeah. And he's like, uh. So I'm sure that did not help. Um, uh, Kamara laughs and says, don't hold back. And and George Kartrick says, yeah, you know, tell us how you really feel. And Roy says, okay, you're a shit manager. Not about me, you twat. <laughs> uh, uh, but I love this. And I don't know. This felt very British to me. Roy then says he asked for it. And, and, um, Kamara backs him up. He goes, well, he did ask for it, which I thought was such a funny thing. <laughs> like, like that there was almost like a, by the rules of engagement, he is correct. I don't know. There was just something very Wait, funny I thought, to I me. I thought Kamara that. said it, and then Roy backed him up. Did it go the other way? Am I misremembering? I thought it went the other way, but I, I will absolutely revisit it. But e- in either direction, the fact that, I could see, you know, a nation of football fans all going, he's not wrong. He did ask for it. Uh, it just really made me laugh out loud. Like, he is not compelled to be polite if you open the door to what he really thinks. It, there is a rule in my family, it, and I would say it's unwritten. It's unwritten, but it has been outright stated. It's okay if it's funny. Which is not always the nicest thing, but if you see something that's true and funny, you don't usually get in trouble for it. That's uh, horrifying, but good, but good. Good for your family. Um, that's good. In the name of comedy. Um, you know, here's the thing. If, if there's this thing about, and, uh, God, we got to keep moving, but there's this thing about coaching where if you heard this, if you were watching this and you heard George Kartrick get called out, because George Kartrick is one of those managers that's been on every team and then he gets recycled. And, and I know coach, you and I have commiserated over this. Yes. They're like, it's, it's, I think it's the worst offenders are probably college football where you get these 
horrific people. I mean, just the worst men on the planet getting bigger and bigger jobs after failing. And you go, I don't what, you know, you're just like, these are horrible, well-documented how, how awful the men are well-documented, how gross they are in their private life, how they've alienated their football teams, but they have a name of some kind and they keep getting gigs. And you see that and you're like, we all know who the terrible coaches are and we all complain about it. And then it would be so nice if you were watching, if you were Baz or Jeremy and you're watching this and, and Roy's like to George Carter, you're like, yes, yes, we knew it. Anyway. Um, so we are, uh, at the dog track and, um, uh, Rebecca. Now this is game day. We have, we have, uh, moved to game day. Uh, we're up in the stands in the owner's booth. Rebecca gets an email from Richard Cole saying fine. And she shows it to Nora and then she goes on banter because if you own a professional football club, I don't know, maybe, maybe you want to have a little, uh, little spritz of, of romance before the game. What do you think there, boss? I don't understand why this would happen. I mean, I guess the idea that she was, uh, it, you know, feeling herself because of her recent victory that she had done her job well, she'd managed the team well, and she'd gotten this victory. I could understand why she might sign up. It seems like a weird platform for her to pick. It, not just because she's gorgeous and like being physically attractive is an asset when you're trying to date people, but there is a little bit of notoriety. Wait, it is. Go figure. I oh, mean, shit. I know. I know. It, oh, a surprise to a lot. That's of what I did wrong. That's what I always did wrong. <laughs> coach, why didn't you tell me, Coach? Oh, I wish who I knew. I wish who I knew. Thunk it. Damn it. Uh, but yeah, so it's it seems like if I don't know, maybe Rebecca is a better person than I am. But if I were a hot, rich, powerful football club owner, I would not be going on to an anonymous dating website to see if there's anybody who I might have a connection with. Like, I would be rolling into the bars being like, hey, I'm rich and hot. What's up? I think we've had hours upon hours of hours of podcast uh, uh, listening at this point, which have established that, yes, Rebecca is a significantly better person than you. Yeah, that's fair. I'm okay with that. (laughs) Okay. In terms of my life, I... It's always a little bit relative. Like, I'm not as hot as the people in Hollywood, but I live in Chicago, so I'm doing okay. I love that. <laughs> I love that. I have no Chicago, follow-up I'm, that. I'm Chicago, <laughs> Chicago hot? I'm a, I'm a Chicago 8, and I feel good about that. The end. Again. I've been saying that a lot this podcast. Sorry, people who made it. So, Sassy enters the game, and, uh, oh, she, not the game, she, she's up in the stands, she just shows up, luckily there's a nice aisle seat next to Nora for her, which is great, um, and, um, <laughs> it's just convenient, and, uh, it, it, there's all those free seats in the owner's box, um, and how could she miss 22 fit and sweaty men running around chasing after one another, uh, Nora, uh, thankfully, like, has a grossed out look on her face, and, um, uh, Sassy asks if Nora met her favorite player, Sam Obasanya. We're really, really upping the Sam quotient after uh, Rebecca uh, signs on to banter, which is mm-hmm. strange. Um, we cut to Sam in the locker room, since he's on everyone's mind, and 
we get a real on the nose thing of inserts of him looking at himself in the mirror and a picture of his, pu- his parents. And, uh, it takes some black tape and puts it over his air, uh, Dubai air Jersey, like the Dubai air logo on the front of his, uh, Jersey. And Isaac, uh, you know, asks us, uh, asks Sam what he's doing and, and, uh, Sam explains the situation with Dubai Air, and they've turned Nigeria into a hellish, fiery swamp. And so Isaac uh, takes the tape. Isaac and Tommy, uh, who are both Nigerians, also tape their Dubai jer- Dubai uh, logo over the Dubai Air logo over their jerseys. And um, Sam looks to everyone and says, "Like it's obviously something uncomfortable, and it's a pretty big statement." Uh, and so Sam says, "Listen, he doesn't expect the whole team to participate, but as Nigerians, they must." And then Jamie. With one session of therapy under his belt that I'm aware of, uh, <laughs> sees this as a good moment, and he steps in and asks for the tape. And Sam asks Jamie, like, now this is the first time, like, I remember Sam look other than when he mocked him and ruffled his hair. This Sam asks Jamie, "What do you think you're doing?" And Jamie and Jamie says, "We're a team, ain't we? Got to wear the same kit." Um, I I, I like to jump in on that. I. <laughs> Actually, this is me, you know, the, the 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 great defender. I feel like this moment could have really had some lead balloon to it. I mean, I feel like it could have felt like, oh, really? And I think it doesn't. Well, it didn't for me because I believe Jamie. I believe, I, I yes, I think he wants in with the team. I think this is an attempt to say, I really have changed Sam. Yes, but I also think that he's a guy who does on a fundamental level believe in right and wrong and hearing what was just said and realizing that it's that important to Sam, I do think this was a legitimate thing that he would choose. I it, it, it's put it this way, it's not it's not a, a another version of the PS5s, right? To me. I think no, no, this for is sure. a genuine I, I, I read thing this. from Jamie. I read this as Dr. Fieldstone explained to him that talk is cheap and actions speak louder than words. And ah. maybe he's come far enough to, because he was, when he went into Keeley, he's like, why, how can I show them that I'm cool? And I could see Dr. Sharon be like, yeah, of course you can show them you're cool, but you got to show them with, by, with your actions, not by saying it. No one wants to hear you say they're cool and no one wants you to buy them cool things. Also, that's, that's what I, I, got. I think more than cool, I think to show that you're in, right? Like, part of the whole thing with Jamie was he didn't put his hands in with the team. He put the gum in the box. He, right? He, you know, Ted's talking and he leaves to go get his chest waxed. I think he's always sort of separating out. Didn't plan to go when it was time to do the bonfire. Thing. And then, like, choosing to be in. So, it's, 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 to me, it's more than cool. It, it's, it's. I'm just using Jamie's. Oh, no, no, no. Oh, I know what sure. you're saying, but I yeah, think I'm that's, saying that's why what Jamie works. was saying to her. Yeah. Right, right, right. Yeah. No, listen, I used to go to uh, one of my friends uh, growing up. His dad was a motivational speaker and used to break down the simplest things. He used to say, you know, what's hard about riding a bicycle? And, you know, he asked that question to a room of like 500 people and, you know, no one wants to put themselves out there and whatever. And, and so it was just silent. He's like, the riding. <laughs> he's like you know like <laughs> i think the, I know, once you yeah. ride it's fine right? once yeah. it's not hard right like so the riding and and this is like that but when you say like getting in what's hard about uh, about groups what's hard about be- joining a team it's being that moment where you're in on the team once you're in everything's simple 
Everything's fantastic. But you're right to say 100%. that there is this barrier that you have to get through and, and not everyone naturally knows uh, how to do that. Yeah, 100%. Okay, so we cut to Arlo and Chris Powell. Their modest rich, Richmond is winless with eight straight draws. Chris uh, makes the prediction that it's going to be a draw. Um, and Arlo brings up how it's uh, Jamie's first game back um, and wonders if the Richmond fans this will, will accept him. And Chris says that, you know, supporters are a notoriously uh, fickle bunch. And then, of course, we cut to Jeremy and Paul and Baz in the bar um, with May. And uh, they are doing what, Coach? They're singing the Jamie Tart song. And uh, an example for me of uh, this show using different brands of humor. But they got a they got a healthy laugh out of me on that one. I thought that was well. I loved it. I loved it. And it's and it also rings true to me. There are very few things that an owner can do to show you that they want to win from the ownership standpoint, other than bring in superstar or bring in people. Like if they, if they pay money on a huge coach, like a coaching sign, you're like, okay, they really want to win. If they, if they bring in, you know, this is a beautiful thing about hockey um, is uh, you have veteran players at the trading deadline who actually leave there. They'll be on a team for 20 years and you know, they're going to retire and the team is, is good enough to tra- to trade them before they retire for one last shot at a Stanley Cup. And then when you're on one of those teams, like if you're a team that's like maybe a contender and then you get an influx of veteran talent, you just go, oh my God, like you get so excited as a fan. So I really related to the, everyone singing the Jamie Tart song because it's one of the few things that an ownership uh, owner can do to, to show how serious they are about winning. Um, so, uh, you know, Jamie Tart, and we cut back to the coaches and, um, you know, Nate tells Beard, this is a, God, there's like so much of these little moments between, I, I, we should probably do one whole episode at the end of the season of all the interactions between <laughs> Nate and Beard and like where it went off the tracks. But Nate tells Beard and Ted that if no one is passing Jamie, they can drop him to the midfield. And then Beard says, what boss? So the people not passing to Jamie can be closer to him? And he gives him that look. He gives him like a look like pretty <laughs> stupid, right? Pretty stupid. Like when you say it out loud, you hear it, right? Do you hear it now that I'm saying it to you? Right, 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 right. Mm -hmm. So now we get the reveal of the black tape. The paparazzi comes out. We see Ted, uh, you know, reacting. Um, Everybody in the pub, our our, our Greek chorus is is shocked. And um, Higgins says this might become an issue. And Rebecca's phone gets a call from Richard Cole. And she turns the phone to Nora so she can watch her hammer the hang up button and Nora says boss ass bitch which I did not like but uh fine okay Wait, why, now we, why, did, why didn't you like it this time I don't know I don't know that's the thing I can't the 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 various permutations of Nora's character and when I'm cool with her swearing and when I'm not I guess because her mom was there and I get like really I feel I feel like maybe I'm a chameleon around my parents maybe and I'm like just be like a good kid as far as they know, so they can just oh, be happy and then go it's away. It's interesting. I have I, the I opposite know. thing going on right now because we basically have, you know, our kids, you know, they can curse. It's fine. And, and but there have been a couple times where we're around other people and a, and a curse gets dropped. And there's a there's kind of an awkward moment, I think more so for us as parents, <laughs> where we kind of have to admit like, oh, yeah, we totally let our kids curse. Like that's a thing, um, and it, it do feel like you're getting a little bit of judgment around it. So I, it's 
I almost wondered in the other direction if Sa- if Sass would be like totally unmoved by it because yeah, that these words are used over breakfast. I mean, remember a little bit ago when I said in my family it's okay if it's funny. So there was a year that I now refer to as maybe maybe the the pinnacle of it, but um, I jokingly called my mom the c word, which even I am not going to say right now. But the c word at brunch on Mother's Day. Wow! So there. <laughs> wow! Does it help if I told you that it oh, killed? Shit. Everybody thought it was really funny. It killed. I love it. I, as a former stand-up, wow. I love that that's your standard. You're like, yeah, social conventions, respect for family, fuck you. It killed. It End of discussion. It, it was really funny. It's, it's funny enough. I now can't believe we, you went for it. Of course. Of course I did. The joke was right there. I had to. Come on. Holy shit. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, we cut to the uh, uh, the the post game. Um, the po- we cut to the post game where uh, we're in the press room and the room is sort of going wild. I'm guessing about the protest. It didn't seem like it would have that kind of reaction after the game, but I guess so. And Ted calls on uh, Gary, who asks if Ted knew the team was going to do this. Uh, he says he did not, but he thought that uh, what the team today did today was courageous. I've never needed to have that kind of courage because when bad things happen to people like me and he gestures at his skin color, you all have a tendency to write about it without being asked. Sam had to go out and get y'all's attention. You know, um, you have any more you want to know about it? You can ask him. Um, shall we defer to um, the, uh, the, um, the white lady? I feel like definitely yeah, this is where I should lady. weigh in. Really funny. Um, no, I, I thought it was, I, I like that that was called out and it's one of any number of points in this show where I feel like there's been a healthy acknowledgement of like how the world works and, you know, whether we go back to, you know, imperialism and the little army, man, you know, just these like nice little moments of sort of Ted's, Ted's learned some things along the way and sort of has a, a certain level of social awareness and consciousness that I, that I think is cool. Um, in addition to that, and sort of like, I guess, layered with that, I thought that this in an interesting way paralleled that first press conference. And to see Ted so in command of this space and aware of how to handle the space and not just sort of like opening the door and, and shoving Sam through. Like I think even him making that statement before they questioned Sam set a tone for how this conversation should go. Uh, so I yeah, thought, that's I thought, a great I thought point. it all worked really well. He wasn't spitting out bubbly water. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, yeah, I don't know that you're right. That's a great point. Um, he did set Sam up really nicely. Um, Sam takes over uh, and Trent Krim says, do you think your protest may have distracted the team uh, tonight and led to the loss, which we find out, okay, they have lost uh, the game. Sam says he's not here to talk about football. He's here to ask the Nigerian government to put an end to decades of environmental destruction caused by Serithium oil, destruction that the powers that be have turned a blind eye towards for far too long. Um, and he asks if he has any questions about that. And 
Trent, everybody explodes again. And Trent says, wait, wait, wait. And he says, Sam, are you openly accusing the Nigerian government of corruption? And Sam says, yes, I am. Um, okay. So that's uh, any, I mean, yes. Okay. That's good. That's bold. Um, cut to my dad. What's funny. Cause my dad uh, was in the Peace Corps in Kenya. And he would tell me about like the different types of corruption. We would go, I would fly to meet him and hang out in Africa with him. And we would have uh, PCVs, Peace Corps volunteers from all these different countries would sort of meet up and they would talk about a lot of the uh, different corruption in their countries. So, so for me, I was like, Oh, it's, is it really that big a deal to call out like Niger? I'm like, okay. I mean, it's like sort of a, it's so, it's so procedural in some of these countries. Like, uh, we mask it in our, it's not, it's not, uh, we do it differently in the United States, but you know, in some places you'll just have like a local cop stopping traffic on a, on a road. Uh, this was in Kenya that I experienced this because they want the, uh, the drivers to give them bribes. It's like a toll. It's like an impromptu mm-hmm. toll and everybody sort of understands it and whatever. So it is uh part of the part of um, some, some of the structure down there, but it was good that, that uh, Sam called it out and uh for specifically in nigeria and um so we cut to uh ted and sam walking in the hallway ted asks sam how he's feeling and he says he's he's good he's just hoping the rest of the team isn't upset with him and ted echoing uh sort of the tone of nora's um chewing gum speech says doing the right thing is never the wrong thing and when they open the door um what happens boss they're all in there celebrating. I, I, am I misremembering that? Or no, you're just, right. You're right. They're just like I don't think that they had a specific line or anything. They just everybody was in there celebrating like they had won and not like they had lost. Um, I do think the line that I liked a lot is when they said that the tie streak was over. Right. Yeah. I I legit I did giggle a lot about that. Um, I had a buddy who played uh, baseball when we were younger and he went on a terrible streak where he struck out every at bat for a a large number of games, like at least a month and a half. He was on a a bad, bad tear and not doing well. And then one time he got a pop up and and of course was out. And as he was heading back to the dugout, just shouted, no more striking out for me. And I was like, yeah, you got him. So yes, I had that same feeling and I loved it. I wish I could bottle the uh, facial expression humans make when they hit a pop-up. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. Everybody knows yeah, what yeah, I'm talking yeah. about, right? That's like, very God funny. fucking damn, really? Yeah, 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 That's, yeah. I was up here and I had a shot and this is yeah. what I thought. Yeah. God, you, you know God. What, it's just, just a, yeah, you know it's coming. It's anxiety and the you're like, shit. Yeah, the problem is because I'm a bad person, what I could tell you is it's the split second after the bat connects when you hit it and you're like, yes, I got a hit. And then immediately it's a, ah, fuck. It's that immediate whiplash between I did a good job and oh, I'm out now. That is the comedy involved in that that I love so much. Torture, torture. Um, Anyway, they get into the room and then something interesting happens. Jamie... Uh, puts his arm around Sam, which I'm like, wow, like, okay, like, we're, okay. I'm like, this is the the pace of this is, is lightning fast. He says, 
the Nigerian prick stole my thunder. So he, he, he thought, uh, was, you know, Jamie says, uh, Sam did something. I forget the exact words, but he did something I didn't expect him to do, or I never thought he could do something like that. Nigerian prick stole my thunder. And then he says, no, seriously, what he did was brave to Sam and the alto Sam. And then Jamie and Sam hug. And then Sam says, it's good to have you back, bruv. And he's like, yeah, it's good to be back, bruv. And I was like, what the? I was, I had so much fucking whiplash from that. And oh, so really coach, coach to your lead, lead balloon part, you know, the, the, how the original taping thing could have landed like very sort of, uh, like a, whatever you said, like a lead balloon or whatever. Um, I, this was too fast for me. I thought I don't, I don't oh. fucking believe this at all. Way, way too fast. Like, good to have you back. Hugging. I'm like, holy shit. I prefer the Roy and Jamie scene where they were drinking and they and you you said like, oh, you know, they they still had a healthy contempt even while bonding. Right. right and I was like, oh, this feels less honest to me than that. I guess, well, one, it didn't, it, for me, I thought it was earned because he was the one who stepped up and, uh, you know, of the non-Nigerian guys was the first one to say, no, we're, we're, we're doing this as a team. But also, I thought t- Sam, Sam expected that he might have a real problem coming back into that room. And I thought he'd walked into we're a team. Like we may be a screwed up team. We may be, you know, we may have our personalities. We may have our differences. But in this moment where got, you know, including uh, Jamie, where people could have sort of left him out to dry, instead they pulled him closer. So I, I, I bought it from that stand up, that standpoint. Also, I'm from a family where like actually on both sides of my family, fair number of blowups over the years. And so it's not that inconceivable to me that if we think of them essentially of like brothers or cousins, that you have it out and then something happens that brings you together. Usually some outsider thinks they've, they've, you know, see a fisher and go after it and then you get them and that brings you together. So to me, that, that, that played for me. The new, the new enemy is Dubai Air. Um, you stood up, you were on my side. We're good. Yeah, no, I, I think that makes sense. So I'm sure that the follow up to this, now that Dubai Air and Richard Cole is the big bad for this season, now that's been established in, in episode um, three, I'm sure the next few episodes we'll talk about how they, Rebecca has to scramble to get a new sponsor since she's going to be broke if she doesn't. I'm sure the next few episodes why are must, going to talk about this way. Why? Dubai Air. Why must and you be this talk way? About wooing a new sponsor and showing Rebecca's like business chops. Um, and um, yeah, I uh, refresh my memory boss. What is the next episode, by the way? Oh God. How many swears am I allowed to oh, do? Oh dear. Can I do, can I do all the swears? Cause all this of is them. The God, it's the goddamn Christmas episode. <sighs> the, the fucking love actually bullshit Christmas episode. <sighs> all right. And, and, so- and, I, and, and I, I, I want, I want, I want to be very, very clear. I think everybody who was involved in the production of this show, the writing of the episode, every person who showed up with a delivery on this set, 
I know that you tried your hardest and I do not want this to be personal and I am not going to insult you. And this episode is trash. And so if as the listener, that is a thing that might rub you the wrong way for me to say like, then they did this line and this line is trash. Next week's episode is going to be a little rough on all of us. Just so we're all on the same page. I'm gonna I'm gonna jump in and say, and we're gonna we'll get into it when we when, next week when we get to it. But I watched this. I had already gotten my first inklings of your displeasure, both of you, coach and boss. And I watched this with a smile on my face, thinking, I am fine with this, but this is definitely crossing the line for them. <laughs> like I, the whole time, I was like. <laughs> Oh boy. I was like, oh, oh boy. I was like, oh, they're going to be pissed off after this one. If they weren't happy before, I, I did. I thought it. I was like, oh boy, this is not going to be good. So I, I, I'm not shocked, nor should the viewers be, but we, we, we will get to it. I did want to call out, um, one other thing about this final moment in the, in the locker room. And I love bringing the team together and having this level of unity. I love that Sam's character comes through so clearly in the request for the picture with Nora. One, he's a player. He's, he's a big time football player. He could kind of be like, eh, okay, kid, you know, whatever. Right. You see, even Rebecca kind of gives him the nudge, like, I'd really like you to do this. And not needing a nudge at all, not only is he like, sure, cool, I'll take a picture with you, but guys, all of you come in, entire football team come in, we're taking a picture with Nora. Um, I don't know. For me, it, it just sort of like highlighted who Sam is in the context of the show. Yes, very much. And to sort of wrap up this episode, at least on a high note before the the darkness befalls us, um, I will say to go back to your point, Castleton, about uh, Sammy, uh, Sammy and Jane, Jesus Christ, Jamie and Sam uh, reconciling so quickly. I think a, a large function of that is that Sam was involved. Like the reason that Jamie and Roy still might not be completely vibing is because the two of them together wouldn't do that. Sam is Sam is easy to get along with. He is a good guy and he makes it easy to come back into the fold. So this entire end of the episode is all Sam being a badass in the best way. I'm going to jump in and highlight that if you want to look at the end of season one and Ted's forgiving, uh, forgiving Rebecca. Yes. Yeah. I think it's Same very way. much in line. Mm-hmm. So yeah, th- thanks for that. And I'm loving having this moment where you're making a point and I'm totally feeling it. And we're very much in line because I feel like my heart's going to break multiple times for our next recording. And so I just, <laughs> I'm, I'm sort of, I feel like we'll, we'll always have the locker room observation, I guess is what I'm saying. We'll always <laughs> have Sam. Always. We'll always Regardless have Sam. of what else. There you go. He is lovely. Toby Pacino, great actor. He's done such a great job with the character of Sam. Um, everybody gets around Nora. It's really sweet. Um, I, I mean, I, I'll be the, I know we're trying to end on a high note. I'll, I'll be the dick to, <laughs> to ruin that by saying like, uh, you guys just lost. So, huh. Wait, uh, lost I, it, lost it what? 
Uh, no, he means football. Richmond the game of lost. football. They're they're professional oh, football. footballers oh, shit, who right. lost a game, and I'm I'm like. This show is about football. Yeah. All right. Yes. No, 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 no. I'm back on track now. I remember. But but I will also, yes, and let us not forget the party in season one that I think was a part of the team advancing. Like, just because you lose don't mean you can't have some cake. We'll, we'll get back at it tomorrow. Don't you think, Coach, that your natural coaching style, and try to be honest, uh, I know it's <laughs> difficult for you. Um, <laughs> That I cannot imagine you responding well as a coach to people just being carefree and fun in the face of like, like you're, you got eight losses. You know, you have to turn something around. And the thing to turn around is that you now introduce a, uh, sorry, I'm sorry, eight eight ties. ties. Right, right, right. Yeah. Eight ties. And then you know that like you have to change something. And then the thing that happens is that you, uh, get a loss. Um, I have a hard time imagining Coach Bishop being cool with this sort of celebration. No, I, I, I will share this, and maybe it is toxic. Maybe it's any number of things. Losing makes my stomach hurt. I'm not kidding. Um, the number of times I've had to like truly gather myself before I address the team, just because I'm like, this is youth sports. Don't ruin them. But it really, like, losses stay with me. I can tell you how I lost games. There, there. quickly, I'll tell you, there was a, a time when a player said to me they were covering the slot and they need to move a little bit inside. This is football. And they wanted to move a little bit inside. And my instinct was don't do it. And, the, and they got beat for a touchdown. And that was, and I'm not kidding, 27 years ago. And I still want that decision back. Like I'm yep. sick. Yep. I'm not well. <laughs> I'm not well when it comes to wins and losses. So no, you're absolutely right. I would be like, great. We stood together. Dubai Air. We've got to win, guys. That's what we're here to do. Um, so you're right. You're right. Awesome. Uh, well, we are. Uh... I love that Keely yells for everybody to hide the beers, by the way. I love that Keely's like. That was awesome. Yeah. Always on the job. Yep. That was great. I really love it. I mean, you think about how, you know, the first time we met her, she strolled in and entered and was Jamie's girlfriend. And now she's just like a authority figure. It's just really, but in in the best possible way. She's fantastic. Yes. Because as she says it, like, there's no like, oh, like everyone's like Keely said to hide the beers like that's it like there's no other so i love that you said authority figure because that's exactly right and we've seen other versions of this right like she when she walks in now it's to show off the tablet with the with the uh dubai air copy it's not to you know come get jamie so he can get his chest waxed um so yeah we we're, we're definitely watching her group. i mean here's the thing we we this show uh, we think it's a wonderful thing. All of us have agreed that one of the wonderful things about the show is seeing Rebecca in a position of power, going from a tabloid nightmare to a truly formidable, you know, business owner and a person with self-respect. And in the same way that the show has done that for Nora, ostensibly, um, any little girl that's watching this show and little boy, but any little any little person human being watching this show that sees Keeley's uh, uh, sort of curve and growth, um, that's a cool thing because we have a tendency as humans to uh, conflate narcissism with leadership, and we tend to 
you know, we tend to push all the wrong people to the front of the uh, student government and, and it, and it continues into the, you know, Congress and things like that, where it's like, it's nice to see someone like Keeley who wouldn't uh, historically be someone uh, that, that has given, been given a shot at authority to, you know, seize the opportunity and run with it and be so exactly like he said, no groans, no anything. Keeley said it, everybody did it. Um, and it's like, you know, sort of giving young people an idea about like, what is the next generation of leader? What is it? Who do I want to be in charge going forward? You know, coach, and I know both of you actually have touched on this and, you know, I've pushed back on some of it, but I will say this and, and, and Keeley exemplifies it. I think the for me, the most effective leaders and the people who like I've had yell I've had coaches who like yelled at me unbelievable like whatever. But if I really believe that we're here on a mission and whatever they're doing is serving the mission, I tend to give a lot of leeway. And I feel like I've been given a lot of leeway. Like they're definitely, you know, I'm running some kids in practice and like cackling, laughing at the top of my lungs. I could see parents being like, I'm snatching my kid off this field. This guy's a lunatic. But I get a lot of latitude because they know I'm I'm doing a thing, right? I do think there are points in this season, because of the way you just framed that, there are points in this season where I think it's pretty easy to make the argument that it doesn't feel certainly from Ted in certain points, that it doesn't feel like the team mission is primary. And, right. and I, and I, so yeah, I, I, I think there's some things that work, whatever, blah, blah, blah. But I will, I, I, as you just frame that that way with Keely, I think that's probably a big part of the disconnect. Not that there isn't more football necessarily, which might be part of it, but also that football doesn't seem primary to him as he's going through all the parts of the season. You're saying to him specifically, Ted Lasso? To specifically to Ted. That yeah, and I think that impacts how we process all of that. Like in a way, yes, lead tasso is intended on its surface, but it does feel more like a bit than the real solution. Somehow, I don't know, but right, yeah, yeah, right, yeah. a bit for the purposes of comedy for a TV show, which which is I feel like is really absent in the first season, like a. A thing that isn't congruent with the overall what or what I understood to be the quote unquote lasso way, um, and I say okay, I don't know. I'm trying to wrap my head around what the lasso way is this season, and 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 how everybody's involved in that. I think I don't think that it's out of character for Ted to say that he is going to put the team cohesion and the individual players' happiness above winning when he specifically stated that in episode nine of season one, that he was not going to bench Roy because that could have detrimental effects to Roy's career. Like, I think he's been pretty clear about what his primary goals are. And that is coaching and bringing the best out of these young men. And Beard has always been the one that stepped in and said like, Oh, we need to win games too. Also yeah. though. No, that's, so, yeah, that's right. This might be that Beard it, either because they're, tying or because they're not in the premier league or because Jane is distracting him or whatever else is going on. This feels like beard needs to step up and say, well, this is how we handle this. And it's not that, happening. 
You're 100% right. And maybe this season, like the subtitle for this season should have been like Ted Lasso season two, colon, the fall of Beard. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'd, uh, I'm, I'm just going to say if there were a lot more Beard heavy episodes, I would not have complained about that. I'm going to say that I can't believe Boss missed out on the perfectly alley-ooped colon Beard Goes Down joke. No. It was, I mean, it, it was, was right there, yeah, boss. I mean, yeah. it was sitting there for you, boss. It was just right there. Son of a bitch. I quit. I quit. <laughs> I have to quit. I'm, I'm uh, off the top of my game. I got to quit. Just drop a few C-bombs in your family and you'll feel much better. That's one of my oh, favorite things you've ever shared with us. That is hilarious. Oh, man. I'll tell other stories later, but you just wait until the time I called my mom a skeezy hoe. That, that's a good one. That's a real good one. Bravo. Well, on, on the note of uh, two of the hosts being vaguely sexual, uh, we are going to close this episode. Say thank you for, for listening. Next week is going to be a bloodbath. Uh, I'm, I am so sorry. Uh, to the people who love Ted Lasso, we are with you. We also love Ted Lasso. Uh, in all its various forms, um, except next week. And um, in general, uh, we are going to try to stay as positive as we can while um, Boss foams at the mouth um, and and I uh, get very persnickety (laughs) about certain (laughs) concepts. But but, uh, Coach will be here to support and guide everyone as he always is. Um, and with that, uh, I thank everyone for listening and remember that we are Richmond, Richmond till till we die. die. Awesome. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. The TedCast is a joint venture between Pajiba and the antagonist. Visit us at pajiba.com and antagonistblog.com.